Very nice. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you, David. Hey, thanks. Uh, I appreciate appreciate everything you do and every and uh, everything that you're about. And um, do you appreciate my new glasses? Oh, they are new. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Next, uh, new new. I like. I think it's an updated look. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a new look. That's what I'm going for. I'm going for like 2001 cool. <laughs> no, if you were 2001 cool, they would be thicker and uh, obscure your face more because that's what people wore back then. Like just like yeah. obnoxiously thick Buddy Holly glasses. Really? I thought that was like 2008 or 2009. I'm going for like dad just got out of like playing in the in his dad band or something like that. Or like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Dad just got back from a trip with his family. I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm not really sure. These aren't, I mean, even real, these aren't even real glasses. So um, <laughs> I've, just, been <laughs> I've been having eye trouble and you have I, blue block. You have blue blockers, don't you? Yeah, I do. These are blue. I blockers. can tell they're yellow. They're a little yellow. Look at them. Look at them. You can see yeah. they're a little yellow. Yeah. I, I've been having a lot of eye strain. <laughs> 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 All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> So I'm putting on my blue blockers. These are my work workplace safety equipment is what I'm wearing right now. Nice, man. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. All that uh, being a keyboard jockey is an occupational hazard. Yeah. Yeah. The most dangerous job in America is, is, is posting. Honest, <laughs> honestly, if I, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to paint with too broad of a brush, but like of all the people here who would have had blue blocker glasses, I kind of would have anticipated it being Gabe. Like, you know, I don't know. I feel like you're very upfront with the asthma and like and having a fragile body. So I like... bought I bought my father some of those glasses. <laughs> okay, he, okay. Because he retired and now he is like a full time poster. Uh, all my <laughs> all my friends follow my dad's IG account and like uh, send me texts about it and the, and they're like, dude, he's living his best life. Yeah. And uh, he nice. he does he unironically just posts videos just of himself doing the most mundane things. But for whatever reason, all of that is just Xanax for my friends. Uh, it's just calming and soothing. Just like a relaxed boomer. That's what yeah. I do in my life. Yeah. It's like my dad's like, hey, you know, um, let me, uh, here's a video of me grilling some salmon. Salmon's really good. It's really good. Fatty omega-3. You know, you're going to get, <laughs> it's just like a lean protein. And <laughs> I, they love it, man. It's like watching your chia pet grow. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So what you're saying is this is just a matter of time for you. It's just it a is. matter. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> it is. You know, when you, when you asked uh, David how he's doing and, you know, it just made me think, right. You know, in these trying times, we've got to keep an inventory of all the things we're grateful for. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, I'm grateful for just uh, the fact that I, that, uh, that we have clean tap water here in New York city, free tap water, you know, of course, uh, because of all the apocalyptic things that that um, that I'm anticipating in the next decade, uh, one of them that I'm not looking forward to is the imminent uh, or impending water wars. Dude, yeah. to, to be thirsty, ugh, sucks. Yeah, the one, thing, <laughs> the one thing I'm grateful for is being is being right, um, is being correct about call about. I, I think that we just want to say like this is the fact that water is now a future it's re it's registered as on, you know on exchanges 
There's some funds that are using it as a commodity. Um, we've discussed this before. If you go back to your Ponzi scream episodes, um, we were talking about the song of cobalt and water. And what was the last one? Um, I really should have. Mm, really should have. Probably lithium or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, anyways, no, I, I, um, I am very grateful that we are doing okay. We have it for, we can still drink water for free. Oh wait, no, we can't. We have to pay that to your landlord. That's, uh, uh, yeah. Well, you, maybe you do. I don't have to pay a water bill for my landlord. Okay. Socialism. Um, <laughs> before we get too much into talking, I want to introduce our guest for this week. Um, is a friend of mine from school. This is Shaul Sussman. He is a fellow at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and he's also an attorney. Um, and so, Shaul, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. I'm uh, good. That's great. I love, uh, I love self-reliance just as a topic. It's a thing I'm really into. I, I pull myself up by my own bootstraps all the time. And since, <laughs> since now I'm basically living in this one cube uh, full time, I've, I've tried to make my apartment as self-reliant as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I'm going to get into uh, brewing, micro brewing, really? craft oh. beers in my apartment. Really? Over the winter. Since oh, I don't no. commute anymore, I've got all this extra time. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't want, you, you, Gabe, you don't want to do that. I, I, well, I don't know if you guys have ever gone to an industrial area and then been by one of those breweries where the garage door is just open and it just smells like, like wheat, just like, <laughs> like hot wheat air. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's not, I wouldn't call it a bad smell, but it's like there. It's like, it's like present and you're just like, hmm, <laughs> this is, this is weird. Maybe I'll do some wine instead, Danny. How do you feel about that? If I start, uh... that's great. That's great. Yeah. I, I'm all about that. Some okay. nice, nat some nice you natural need, wine. You need I'm just trying it. to be self reliant. Yeah, Shaw. Can you tell talk a little bit about what sure. your the institute does and the, the the name and everything? Sure. So yeah, they've been around since the 1970s. So it's way before you know big tech uh, emerged. Yeah. And the focus is on two fronts. So the first has to do with, um, I would say, energy and utility focus. So that's self-reliance of small towns, um, focus on renewable energy, um, focusing on issues of waste management mm -hmm. um, and utilities in general, recycling, etc. cetera. Oh, wow. And that's been something that the Institute has been focused for on for decades now and you know uh, has been very successful in implementing various projects across the US um, and on the other front we also promote the interests of small business um, and Main Street uh, America right okay so the you know the origins of uh, you know this um, branch of the work of the Institute emerged, you know, during the 1980s with Walmart emerging and, you know, uh, right. big box emerging across the country and, you know, the effect it had on uh, small and uh, locally owned businesses and uh, the transformation of small towns across America. And with the emergence of Amazon into this field, it has also focused on 
Amazon's effect on small business and also advocacy for sellers and entities that sell their goods through the platform or in the e-commerce space. So my, my focus has been on advocacy in the e-commerce space, uh, work on the antitrust issues that involve Amazon. Um, and um, yeah, that's, that's the primary focus of the Institute. And I would say it's a very strong, you know, one of the missions of the Institute is to promote anti-monopoly agenda um, you know, so, in, across the country. So, the, I mean, the, the, this institute seems very, like, aesthetically Vermont. What, <laughs> what I think of. Like, I just so, instantly think of Joni Mitchell and Ben and Jerry's 15 years ago, before they became a monopoly in the, you know, in the ice cream space. It's, it's definitely, I think I am, I think I'm the only New York employee or New York, uh, you know, okay. based uh, individual, but I everyone, everyone else is off the grid. It's just so, right. So we have one of our centers is in Portland, Maine. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. And we have a, quite a significant presence in the Midwest, and there's also a headquarter in DC that's focused on advocacy. Um, uh, but we're yeah, we're pretty spread out. Um, cool. I, so, I, have a, I, have, I have a question actually as well. Um, it, it's so you, you were mentioning specifically that you like monitored uh, companies like Amazon and what have you um, and how this uh, institution kind of originated in the 1970s. Uh, was, is there any kind of like specific um, area in time when you guys sort of really noticed um, tech monopoly stuff sort right. of pick up? Um, and I guess, you know, I've done, I've done um, some of my own research into like, companies like Amazon and um, I I mean if I were to guess I would say it was like maybe what like 99 something like that or somewhere around the around those that area right so Amazon was you know basically kind of got its start in the late 90s during the you know the first dot-com bubble mm -hmm. thing you know 1998 mm -hmm. Um, but the focus, um, so Stacy Mitchell, who's the co-director uh, of, you know, the, this, the initiatives I, I work under, um, started focusing on this area in the mid-2000s, so on Amazon in particular mm -hmm. and e-commerce e pretty early on, um, and also on the anti-monopoly agenda. Um, another early kind of figure in that uh, movement is Barry Lynn, who went on oh, to... Yeah. Uh, he was among the founders of Open Markets Institute, which is also an anti-monopoly nonprofit um, and advocacy group. So the focus has been there for quite a few years. Um, and, you know, I, I arrived late, you know, only hmm. uh, been there for a couple of years now. And, um, but yeah, the focus and the work on Amazon has been going on for quite a few years and, um, and it's constantly evolving. So, you know, garnering more attention and evolving into other areas of advocacy. But yes, it's quite a few years that um, the Institute has focused on Amazon. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good time period to really get into it, the mid-2000s. I mean, like, if, I mean, if you want to talk about acquisitions, which we will get into, you know, I mean, like, 2004, that's when Google swallowed up YouTube. You know, that's, a, that's when, like, that was bought, you know, and... That was 2004? Uh, 
Yeah, I remember. I remember specifically I was in high school <laughs> and I was just sort of, and it was like YouTube wow. was like its own weird little thing. Like it's like pre-Derek comedy, you know, like. Oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is like, this is waffle, waffle fries. Like this is like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Derek yeah, comedy, I, I, I just didn't realize that he was a product of like anti, like uh, anti-competitive behavior. Wow. <laughs> he was one of the first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a mergers and acquisition child. Uh, that's fascinating. Do you guys remember like, wait, what, what was the, uh, the cupcakes and the, uh, the shoes videos? Shoes. Those guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That was, was that pre-merger? No, I honestly, most shit was post-merger. Like, um, and uh, it really they wasn't. that early. I don't, yeah, I mean, look, uh, it, it's these, I, I'm trying to think of other tech giants that got swallowed up or were kind of acquisitioned after the dot-com bust. So after 2000, sure. before shit really popped off. Sure. I mean, Google really started it. I mean, Google, Google was all over that stuff and Amazon was still in it sort of like, people didn't know exactly what it was. It was still just sort of like still getting into- books. Just yeah, it, it went. Yeah, it was just books. It was. It was just started getting in, and they had a big kerfuffle with Toys R Us at the time. Like they, there was a big. Nice. Was big yeah. <laughs> um, and a, and I mean, obviously, one of them is still a company today, and one of them is not. So, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, Toys R Us. Toys R Us famously didn't pivot to video. No, <laughs> no, they did not. <laughs> uh, so, but we're, today we're here to talk with Shaul about. Uh, the most recent and probably one of the more groundbreaking antitrust complaints that any of us have seen in our lifetimes. And that is the most recent complaint uh, by the Federal Trade Commission and then a separate complaint by 48 states and territories, attorneys general, against Facebook, Inc. Uh, and what's amazing about this one, you know, we talked most recently about the Google antitrust suit. Uh, both of these were coming out of a House Antitrust Subcommittee hearing that led to a report that basically uh, landed huge accusations against Apple, Amazon, Google, and Facebook. And Google was first. Uh, that one was by the Attorney General in, a couple, in some states. And now this one is the Federal Trade Commission. Just a reminder, all of these areas, any of them can sue for antitrust issues. And mm -hmm. so they're doing it. And it's a lot now, of them. It's 46 states. It's 46 of the 46 of the states. Guam, um, Guam, but not Alabama. Just not Alabama, not South Dakota, not South Carolina. And mm -hmm. what do you do? You know what the last one is? Last one's kind of uh, weird. Georgia, Georgia. Yeah, weird. Weird how it's not Georgia. That's a big. That's a big boy right there. Well, the I mean, I always trust the elected officials in the state of Georgia to do their job, so I'm sure they had a good reason. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so they launched it against Facebook, alleging uh, three, basically it's got three big things against it. And so let, let's, let's go to you. What are the allegations lodged against Facebook? So, yeah, I think it's very interesting uh, to take a look at these complaints, right? Because um, they were filed separately and they also bring um, separate theories and separate uh, causes of action. Um, so if we start with the, um, uh, should we start with the FTC complaint or should we start I'm gonna with be, the- I'm gonna be honest, I only read the FTC one, so. Okay, um, so, start with right. that one, yeah. 
So we. <laughs> so you want to start with the FTC? So yeah, whatever makes whatever makes the most sense coherently. Right. Fine. So I think yeah, we can start with the FTC. So the FTC really brought. Um, and and really stop me if I'm becoming like too technical or really going too deep in these issues. And if there's any clarifications and stuff, I'll be happy to stop and kind of go through them. Oh, trust me, I'll I will I will ask a question if I do not know what it is. <laughs> right. So so basically, um, the FTC based its um, lawsuit on a violation of what's called Section Two of the Sherman Antitrust Act. Which what is, year did the Sherman Antitrust Act? Right. So the, the Sherman Antitrust Act was passed in 1890. Um, it's a common law statute in the sense that it's very open-ended. And what happened as a result is that the judiciary, the Supreme Court basically fashioned um, kind of like the contours of what constitutes anti-competitive action or anti-competitive conduct under the statute. Um, and so, in the, so it was a very vague law, right? And so the courts have had to interpret it, right? Okay. So, so there's a few landmark decisions from the early 20th century that kind of defined the contours of of the Sherman Act, and then there were a few amend, amendments that were passed uh, during um, uh, Wilson's presidency. That's called the Clayton Act, um, mm -hmm. and you know. Uh, Justice Brandeis, when he was working for the Wilson administration, kind of was the uh, operating the brain trust that came up with the FT, with the um, FTC and uh, which is the Federal Trade Commission, and also um, thinking about the Clayton Act and tightening up, um, you know, the antitrust laws. And since then, there's been an evolution, a constant evolution of the Sherman Act, um, but it is marked since the 1980s. Um, conservative judges, you know, Robert Bork, Scalia, and others really limited the scope of the and the types of activities that can be brought under the Sherman Act. Right. Um, We've talked about this before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot about um, most mostly stuff that we learned from Zephyr Show. Sure. And yeah. and you know, Section Two of the Sherman Act really deals with what's called unilateral conduct which is the conduct or the anti-competitive activity of a single firm. And that's contra what's section one uh, conduct, which is conspiracies, which is example B price fixing. So there's so, no conspiracies here. It's just, it's one no, firm. Exactly. So no conspiracies here. It's a, it's a theory of harm that deals with the activities of a single firm and um, the theory of harm that the FTC is bringing is a pattern of suppression of competition. So what they're alleging is that Facebook deliberately engaged in various types of activities, including acquisitions, um, the acquisition of uh, Instagram, the acquisition of um, WhatsApp to suppress any emerging um, firm or type of competition that might undermine their monopoly. Okay. So, yeah. um, and, and this is important to note that under current antitrust jurisprudence, a monopoly is not necessarily illegal, um, but what's illegal is what's called monopoly maintenance, which means um, using your monopoly power to suppress uh, competitors and competition. 
So do they have something that's separating monopoly power from regular power? So, so the analysis really focuses on two, two, two issues when, you know, courts analyze um, antitrust complaints. So the first stage is really to figure out whether the firm has monopoly power, whether it has the market power to achieve um, its goals. Because okay. the, the operating assumption is that without that market power, without that economic power, that conduct is not harmful. So if I decide, for instance, to, you know, I start a firm in a little town and I decide that to boycott, you know, a certain product, um, I don't have the market power to really uh, affect significant harm on the competitive process or on the market. But if I'm the most dominant firm in the town, right, and I decide to boycott someone, then there might be much, you know, the, the repercussions will be much more severe. And okay. if you're, if you're, if your town is the internet, then you might have uh, you might have a, a much wider scope and potential for that. Is I guess in this case what they're what is sort of being alleged. Right. You can you can shadow ban anybody from uh, getting any exposure. Exactly. <laughs> I, I I guess I I did have one follow up question, which is, you mentioned something about like there can be monopolies, but it's only if they cause harm. Like, is there any prominent example of of that? like that 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 makes sense because that almost is sort of it sounds uh, right it sounds weird to me you know so this is again part of the bork revolution and the conservative revolution of the 1980s and 90 and 90s is throughout the 20th century from you know the reenact you know from when the clayton act was passed um under wilson's administration the presumption among um judges and the supreme court was that monopolies were illegal so there wasn't, you know, um, you know, without going into too much details on those mid-century decisions, de facto, the, the, um, the position of the Supreme Court was, you can't be a monopoly without harming competition. So almost they're, yeah, any activity- they're always, of a, they're always together, yeah. Right. Um, it's like, you can't be a great white shark without um, eat, killing and eating baby seals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I get. I dig it. Yeah. Whereas, and, whereas that evolves to be. Right. So in some, the 1980s, yeah. there's really a series of, <laughs> um, you know, articles and research done by conservative economists from the Chicago School, and. What a coincidence! <laughs> cranking out the best boys to yeah. export all over the world to make things yeah. better. Going, going from Chile to <laughs> antitrust, baby. Let's. <laughs> they're like, look, we've got they, the, the corporations are still uh, killer, killer uh, great white sharks, but they're Pixar lovable versions. Yeah, yeah, they're they're like they're like the Finding Nemo sharks that are like fish, all friends, not food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what Robert Bork thinks monopolies are. But, so so yeah. they, they really came to, you know, their theory was that you can be a benign monopoly. So, you know, there's some monopolies that are just, they become monopolies because they're just better than everyone else. And right. they're just right. like benign actors that enjoy a certain monopoly because um, they do it better than everybody else and all the consumers want to consume their product and no one yeah. else. Like, like Gabe's Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, it's a benign monopoly. Uh, but yeah. so I mean, like the the idea was from Bork, from what I understand, it was a shift just to consumer prices and quality of the product. Right. So that's more of the technical analysis, right? That's kind of diving into how courts analyze these issues and how yeah. they think about them. But yes, um, before the 1980s, courts would think about harm to competition. Yeah. So competition was defined broadly. Um, you know, it was more than just consumer prices. It could be innovation. It could be, you know, many, a, a, a wide variety of um, public policy goals, um, for instance, yeah. that you want more than one, you know, uh, paper in a small town, for instance, right? Or you want, uh, exactly, you want competition and you're not necessarily obsessed with consumer prices. It's not that consumer prices were not a factor whatsoever, but that wasn't the primary goal of the antitrust laws. It wasn't to protect consumers. It was to really focus on protecting competition and protecting free markets. And if you're thinking about this as a worker, what do workers under, like the, the whole understanding of free market capitalism, the only agency that a worker has is that if you don't like your job, you can leave it, right? That's right. why, you know, that, that's the classic, you know, anti-union talking point. In theory, yeah. Exactly, yeah. but it's like, it's the classic anti-union talking point. It's the talking point for, you know, whenever, whenever any politician on either side wants to, you know, uh, shit on the poor, you know, they'll say get a job or go do something else you know, whatever, if there's a monopoly, you cannot actually go get another job. So there's right. a, I think- so, so that's yeah. another, right. So that's another type of harm that's totally um, out of the scope of, you know, the orthodox modern antitrust, right? Um, you know, there's a trade-off, right? If, for instance, if we think about lower consumer prices, they might, you know, entail lower wages, right? Because one way you can achieve lower weight, you know, lower prices is by cutting right. people's wages. So mm -hmm. antitrust law would say, it's great that you cut lower wages. I mean, if you cut wages, so long as consumers benefit with lower prices. That's right. right? We pass the savings on to you, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so, you know, they're, you know, the most, you know, extreme example of it right now is, for instance, Apple um, really trying to defend, you know, slave labor in China, um, right? And their strongest nice. argument is, of course, lower consumer prices. So that you see it across the board, you see it with, you know, college football, um, you see it in the UFC um, antitrust lawsuit that's, you know, right now and going on in um, Las Vegas. Oh, um, I didn't realize that there is one. Right. So the fighters are suing the UFC. And again, the, U the UFC's argument is, yeah, we're suppressing the wages of UFC fighters so we can offer our products at a lower price. Are they oh. classified as independent contractors? They are. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember that from a wrestling documentary and how they have to sign non-compete clauses, but they're also independent contractors. Correct. David, are you ready for my disruptive, innovative app that we're about okay. to make right now? Okay. okay. <laughs> it's, it's Uber for MMA fighters. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a seamless for mixed martial arts. Where yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
all of us sign up. We put our stats in there, and uh, and if they need an independent contractor, we just get a ping, and we can we can pick if we want to be in the octagon or not that night. Yeah, just a, just a a nice little uh, mixture of player haters, ball and bum fights. Just <laughs> <laughs> who's ready? Uh, I mean, that is the race to the bottom. Is like turning turning the whole world of unemployed people into like a big bum fight royal rumble yeah it's also uh, the ufc doesn't surprise me at all especially because of the recent uh episode of pawn stars i watched in which dana white uh proceeded to go into their las vegas location and be like i'd like to buy a ten thousand dollar samurai sword (laughs) it's just sort of like okay man you got you got too much money all right too much (laughs) he bought two swords he ended up buying uh so i mean oh a uh, quick update on the uber front um speaking of consumer prices after prop 22 passed one of the big points of uh, of prop 22 which is that if you make these independent contractors workers then your prices are going to go up prop 22 passes in california these workers are deemed independent contractors by law enshrined and then they still raise, raise prices. prices. <laughs> they still raise their prices. And what do they blame? The incremental marginal benefits that are that are like thrown out as pittance onto these workers as a result of, of Prop 22 passing as like this like concession, as this like buyout from them getting employment status. Um, so anyways. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Was that a common thing like in, I don't remember this exactly, like did people talk about labor competition and labor supply show in pre-Borkian antitrust theory? So, you know, this is when we talk about labor supply, we talk about suppliers in general under antitrust law. And that's a concept that's called monopsony, which is distinguished from monopoly power. So monopsony power is the power over input provider. So it could be, you know, labor that, you know, the input is the labor. It could be raw materials or it could be anything in the vertical chain of a corporation, right? So, you know, the raw materials that go into the product that is then sold to consumers. Right. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, certainly antitrust is a, is a capitalist uh, theory, you know, by commodifying workers that seems to be very much doing so. But I, I guess I was kind of thinking about it like worker choice. Is that something that's kind of discussed in antitrust as, a, as like a benefit for a worker to be able to choose to go to a competitor? Right. So, so that, that's really kind of one of the blind sides, of course, of the Chicago School and conventional antitrust today is that we're not concerned with, we don't, we don't treat the workers as consumers of jobs, right? We don't consume, like, for instance, in the, we don't consider, like, in the Amazon context, um, Amazon sellers as the consumers of fulfillment services, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and who gets to be called or termed the consumer is also a political um, question, right? Who has standing to complain and what harm, who are the consumers that are getting harm is, is a, that's a question of political economy. So, so you know, now there's a, a, a debate and I think a very, you know, a very positive debate about including more classes of, you know, individuals or types of business within, you know, recognized harms, 
So in the UFC case, you know, now we're recognizing the fighters as a class being harmed on the monopsony side as input, input providers of labor. And that case, you know, might have ramifications across um, the economy because we could start framing antitrust cases as cases in which laborers are forced into working conditions um, that are not as advantageous as they would be if they weren't forced to sell to that one uh, entity. If there was competition, if there was competition over the labor of UFC fighters, if there was another UFC, right, or three more UFC um, kind of arrangements, and there was competition over the laborers, labor of the fighters or, you know, their um, um, skills, we yeah. can, we, we, we could assume that they're, you know, their ability to negotiate higher wages and better benefits, et cetera, would Im dramatically improve. The, uh, so there's, there, this has already happened too. This is, there's, there's like a, I, if I'm understanding you correctly, I, I believe this has already happened in 2009, there was a lawsuit that, that was basically alleged against Apple, Microsoft, I, I think a couple other big tech companies right. where there was literally, um, and this, what, this is just a random thing that I read, um, uh, in a previous book, uh, in, in the Amazon book, I think I was talking about, but, uh, it essentially, essentially, um, these big companies were getting non-compete clauses, um, right. So, um, so yeah, there was kind them. of collusion among the big tech companies to suppress the wages of um, employees in those companies. And I think that that case was settled by the Obama DOJ, but I'm not, like, yeah. off the cuff, it's hard for me to, you know, but I, it was investigated at the time, yeah. Yeah, it, and it, it's, a, it's a weird concept because, we, you know, we were, we were talking previously about like, you know, um, UFC fighters, which is an interesting analogy because like they're, they literally could like destroy, beat their, their, their owners up. They could beat them the fuck up, you know. But uh, commonly, you know, you're talking about, you know, people who have really terrible jobs and, and, and what have you. But the, what happened in 2009 is so weird because it's people who are literally getting paid like 60, 70, 80, thousand ninety thousand dollars a year and being told no there's even a ceiling for you on this like not even not even you are part of this and it's like i don't really have a lot of sympathy for those people because they make so much money but it even counts for them which is bizarre right so so right that that's kind of you know that the, that's as that has been you know an issue and it's something that's being you know debated now within you know, whether antitrust laws should address these harms. I think there's a growing consensus that, yeah, labor is definitely something that should be considered in these types of analysis. So, um, so going back to Facebook, so the, there's three allegations, core allegations. One, the earliest in the FTC complaint. One, they bought uh, anti-competitively Instagram, Want two, they anti-competitively bought WhatsApp, and three, they anti-competitively use their software and their platform, these things called APIs, uh, in order to lock out competition. Right. Otherwise, the, right. Those are the um, the the main kind of um, issues. Right. So one thing that I saw from some from the quotes from the FTC one. And 
was just how flagrant Mark Zuckerberg was about saying, I want to buy these products because I can't compete with them. I mean, just mm -hmm. in the complaint over and over and over again, he keeps saying things like, it's better to buy than compete. We might want to consider paying a lot of money for Instagram. Um, you know, and like, it just, I mean, just over and over. And he keeps saying the same things about, I don't know if we can keep up with WhatsApp. WhatsApp is doing much, things much better than we are. I mean, I, that's not a direct quote, but I mean, over and over in these emails, is, is that something that you have seen in your work on antitrust, just having a CEO just being so dumb about antitrust issues? So I think like we are very fortunate that he was so blatant about these issues and it just shows, <laughs> um, I think it just shows how the, you know, the currents and like the current kind of thinking around antitrust and big tech has shifted. Yeah. You know, there's no chance he would make those statements today, right? In today's environment and the way that Facebook is being criticized. But back then, you know, they were champions of the American economy. They were celebrated as, you know, reju rejuvenation, you know, Silicon Valley was really touted as this miracle of the American economy in the 21st century. And I think he, you know, he felt he was on top and he could get away with these statements. Um, and the interesting thing is that those, those statements are still not enough um, in the context of the antitrust law for any type of, you know, this is not gotcha. Uh, oh. the same way you would have in a criminal case, right? Because our laws have been subverted in such a way that only economists get to determine whether activities were, you know, done with an anti-competitive motive or not. It's kind the of- University of Chicago economists? Exactly. So right. it, it's kind of like an insane standard, but we're saying, oh, you know, like he doesn't know what he's talking about because he doesn't understand the market. We need to look at the dollars and cents and analyze the data to see mm -hmm. whether it was you know, motivated by anti-competitive reasons, which it, again is insane. Is and it's not the way antitrust laws were um, applied in the past. But I mean, in he a is. Sense, I mean, he is a dumb yeah. loser, college dropout. So, <laughs> but but it, but in a sense, like if I'm Facebook's attorneys, that's not what I'm concerned about the most. Surprisingly, I mean, it's really bad in terms of the PR. And, you know, if this case ever ends up with a, if it's going to be a jury trial, if it ends up with a jury, I think, like, that is pretty helpful to convince the jury that there's a violation of the antitrust laws. But just in terms of, you know, the analysis, and this is the absurd part, this is not going to play a, a large factor in the way the case is argued. So, I mean, how can they push for, if there's like some sort of summary judgment and the judge is going to rely on the opinion of economists. Yeah, that that's basically how antitrust <laughs> law works. Um, sucks. That you know, sucks, man. <laughs> economists, yeah. Economists that charge uh, something like $1,500 an hour to write reports about. Um, so they'll come in as an expert witness. Yes. Yes. And, and both sides and the, will be able to present. And the government is going to have their own expert. Okay. Exactly. Okay, and what's so really interesting in this case, right, and why it's unique and it's a landmark case and, you know, it's really, um, it's hard to understand how um, significant this case is on so many fronts in today's environment. But one of the aspects is that the government is not focusing on consumer prices. 
which you know used to be the holy grail of antitrust lawsuits. Right. What they're focusing is on harm to innovation and harm to competition, which seems like yeah. a bygone era. And, and, and that's like a radical shift in the government's goals and you know, the way they think about antitrust violations. And that would be also the hardest part to kind of um, argue and quantify because Facebook is definitely gonna argue that you need to show some harm um, in the sense of higher consumer prices or lower quality or something quantifiable. They, they destroyed Vine. Yeah. They destroyed, I don't know if you guys know this, but for those listening out there, in the complaint, it explicitly points out that Mark Zuckerberg signed off on killing Vine, basically. He locked them out of the APIs, and since then, they just were on a straight downhill. So the greatest app that ever existed, the six-second video Vine, uh, and, and like, I'm being facetious there, but it really was a fun idea. Just six second videos, shareable, nothing else, um, completely destroyed by, by Zuckerberg alone. Right. So, so if we think about like the consumer harm here, like where they're still kind of angling for consumer harm, they're talking about the quality of the Facebook interface. So Facebook Blue, you know, the, the Facebook we all know. And yeah. how, you know, there's ads placed in weird places. They're just like the quality of the content you're receiving is lower. But really the, you know, the, the focus is harming competition and suppressing competition and potential rivals like Vine, buying out competition like Instagram and WhatsApp and freezing out other competitors uh, like Google Plus, for instance. They were also trying to buy uh, Snapchat, I saw the complaint, and right. also trying to buy Twitter, but both of the firms seemingly rejected them, but it got redacted. So well, I personally like how all of these interfaces look exactly the same now. And, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I don't know why you guys don't like that. And, um, you know, our, uh, the, I guess the only things I miss are MySpace and Friendster. Yeah. You know? uh, <laughs> I mean, it, I, in a we there is like a weird philosophical like you can use you can muse about it extensively because like even before we started talking about this and we and we started our meeting I I was just thinking just like man what a weird position to have been in to be a person the guy Tom who started MySpace and just have been around. <laughs> been around for like a hot six years you know maybe i maybe it was seven something to that exists to something to that extent and just being like i'm out i'm out mm -hmm. get but you get bought out by fucking um uh murdoch who consequently the whole product fails it is a, it, it's a it means nothing in real life now and you're just fine. It's it's the constant thing that David is always referring to, where he like you kind of beat capitalism. You win, you win capitalism. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, his trophy is he's the kind of the first failed social media app, but it's just sort of like he's the one who's winning now. I mean, you look at a yeah. guy like Mark Zuckerberg, and that guy went from a person who's just like kind of just a nerd and maybe annoying to just this weird doll. This weird kind of, you know, <laughs> cursed Greek figure where like he's just like, 
I, I mean, I was watching, I was watching, you know, some C-SPAN clip today where, you know, oddly enough, like Josh Hawley is like talking to him and, you know, you, you, like you were referencing, um, you know, there's all these emails and correspondences where he's literally saying, we can't compete with these people. And then at the same time in front of Congress, he's like, um, I don't know if I know exactly what you're talking about, but I'm happy to get back to you on this later. Like, it's like, <laughs> like he's literally just being customer operations for his company. It's like the he, one time he does that. <laughs> he does that a lot um, in the 2018 uh, hearing about, you know, the 2016 election and privacy and stuff, just all the time they would bring up core components of their, like their, how their company worked of how Facebook worked and, he just constantly said, I don't know. Like he said, he had no idea what section 230 of the Communications Decency Act is, which to those listening, to those of us here, I have no idea what it is. But if you are a web platform, you know exactly what CDA 230 is. Everyone, like he, for him to say he does not know is him lying. Yeah, CDA, CDA by the, if people don't know, CDA 230 is, is the provision that web hosts or what have you, you know, uh, Facebook, Twitter, etc., aren't liable for the content that... Yeah, in like a defamation context. It, yeah, in a defamation. It is, and also in, in recent news, it, it is what Donald Trump has sort of like stubbornly been trying to get banned, you know, in this sort of goofy, in the defense bill that got passed. And this this thing is so bipartisan to the point where like the Senate passed it by like 81, like an, un an unheard of number in like, you know, today and like the house passed it by like 400 odd something like huge veto proof majority uh, uh, majorities. So, uh, so for, for, yeah, like what David is saying for Zuckerberg to be like, oh, I'm not entirely sure what that is. It's your, he's just a very I mean, bad he was, liar. He was, prepped, <laughs> he, was, he was prepped by counsel and that's the only thing that you can say without perjuring yourself yeah or you know or or um you know effectively testifying against your own um against your own interest anyway so fifth. he pleads the fifth yeah you guess he could have done that um yeah. okay so i want to get finished so that's the ftc complaint seemingly and then we have the just one more component i think that's interesting oh, sure, sure. to talk about is what the government is asking as a remedy which is also yes. a radical departure from, you know, the antitrust um, bread and butter of the last 30 years where the government is actually asking the court uh, to break up Facebook and spin off Instagram and WhatsApp into separate entities. So basically to unscramble the eggs. Ooh, I like that analogy. That's good. Yeah, I didn't come up with the scrambling the eggs. That's uh, J.P. Morgan when they tried to break <laughs> up his uh, steel trust, but it's still used today, right? That's still the way that the Facebook attorneys are talking about it. Like you can't un unscram unscramble the eggs, but um, so I, oh yeah, watch me <laughs> now. Facebook is it part of Instagram? Boom, <laughs> I unscrambled them. Right. And nice. a, yeah. You know, there's like a sidebar discussion about whether how difficult it actually would be um, to separate those entities. So um, during the congressional committee, they collected um, testimony from former Facebook employees that said, oh, it's actually not going to be a big deal at all uh, to separate <laughs> Instagram and Facebook. Of course, of course but, it's not. <laughs> right. But 
you know, the Facebook attorneys and, and people, you know, that work in uh, think tanks that are funded by big tech are saying, you know, this is going to be a monumental task. Um, well, since this has been going on, Facebook has made it harder for that to happen. They yes. have merged their back end software of Instagram, WhatsApp and Facebook, you know, original all together. And there are now, if you notice on your Facebook Messenger, it directly connects to Instagram DMs. So when you slide right. into someone's DMs, you can slide into <laughs> like all your height. Yeah. All of their DMs, oh yeah. God. This is so brilliant. This, this reminds me of The Fly, right? Like, uh, okay. you know, the remake, right? So uh, when, uh, when, when our boy Jeff Goldblum is trying to drag a pregnant Gina Davis into the, uh, into the teleporter, and he's like, we'll all merge together, you, me, and the baby, and also a little bit of this fly, right? Ooh. So like, that's what, <laughs> that's what if, if Facebook can do that now, uh, then if they'll be like, well, we're inextricably linked at a, at a, yeah. at a DNA molecular level with these other yeah. companies. So yeah. you'd, have to, you'd have to shoot us all in the head. You yeah. can't break us apart. We, would, we wouldn't survive. <laughs> yeah, and, and <laughs> meanwhile, you got a lot of people who are like, <laughs> like yeah. don't, I'll do it. You're <laughs> just like the guy and from the Dark Knight. I'll the, let me be the one. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that that section, the the section of the fly in this context is just like the DM from like your now racist high school best friend. You know, that's that that's what's coming into your Facebook Messenger, and now that's going into your Instagram DMs as well. It, it's really interesting also to see, you know, not only on the legal front, but also on the PR front, when Instagram was first, you know, acquired by Facebook, a lot of people moved to Instagram or said, I deleted my Facebook account, but they didn't really realize that they're still in the Facebook ecosystem. You know, it's like eating a Chipotle and stopping <laughs> eating at McDonald's, right? You're still eating at McDonald's. It's just like branded um, differently. And I, and, I, and I think that what happened in the last few years is like, Amazon realized, I'm, I'm sorry, Facebook realized that this unscrambling of the eggs issue is going to come up. And now every time you log into Instagram or WhatsApp, it says on the bottom, I think powered by Facebook or a Facebook app or something like that. So they mm -hmm. changed their strategy and now they're very much explicit about that relationship. Um, mm -hmm. And I would really you know, I would love to be a fly on that on a wall um, in that meeting where they decided to make that shift and what motivated it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd yeah. Love to, I'd love to be Jeff Goldblum on that wall, just dripping <laughs> onto the tape, onto the table. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, they're calling for the breakup. I mean, Shell, how likely do you think this is going to happen for, for there to be an actual yeah. breakup? So, so that's really interesting. So there was a piece that came out in Politico uh, today where um, they basically asked me the same question. And, you know, like Facebook obviously said, you know, no chance in hell. It's unprecedented. Some big law attorneys also said, you know, this is going to be extremely difficult, most likely not going to happen. But, you know, in all of the bad Supreme, bad, bad Supreme Court case law in antitrust, there is this one weird case from 1990 where the court reiterates, you know, surprisingly, that these types of spin-offs are the most natural and straightforward remedy in cases of unlawful or un and com uncompetitive acquisitions. 1990. So, that's yeah, pretty That's, that's very like, yes, Kalia signed on to that opinion. So it's a oh, damn. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's a it's a unanimous opinion. And wow. Yeah. So I I cannot explain how this happened, um, but that is most likely why the FTC went with spinoffs as a remedy here, because they feel secure enough that the precedent legally is there for them to break them up. And wow. um, and and it's going to be a really interesting process, but I think that it's definitely going to be on the table. If the case will maybe the case will settle. Maybe, you know, who knows what's going to happen. What would a but, settlement look like? Yeah, I don't even know what, 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 what is... Are we going to finally we, get paid for our content? Yeah, yeah, what does that look like? <laughs> so, so if I was Facebook, you know, one way to try to make this go away is deal with the API issues. Yeah. So really to pledge for some kind of like non-discrimination based on your activities on their platforms, whether you're a competitor or not. I don't didn't know they how already, uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but didn't they already cease the discrimination in 2018? So they say so, but really, you know, like it would be something where the court really steps in or there's like some administrator that really oversees the entire process on the Facebook end. Okay. Um, I don't think this is going to happen, right? Because it's so hard to administer. Um, oh, yeah. You know, um, and, and it it's just, Unclear. I think, you know, fines is definitely not going to help. You know, the, the Europeans already tried that route with the slap on the wrist for big tech and, you yeah. know, that's nothing. Right. Um, so I think it's likely. I mean, I mm. would say that if they can prove their case, if the if the FTC can prove their case, there is a high likelihood that, you know, we're going to see a breakup. So the um, more, you know, the part that's kind of like, uh, uh, 50 50 is whether they're going to find them in violation of section two. But I would say that if they do, we might see something similar to standard oil happening with Facebook. Wow. And that would be, that would be so, I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to be pessimistic, although see that this is the X factor in it is because we are in the unique position where this isn't so clean cut politically speaking, you know, um, I mean, if anything, you know, the, con the conservative, you know, agenda is uh, highly suspect of, you know, tech firms like this. The ones that are, sure. the, the ones that are bought out obviously aren't, but, you know, I mean, fucking old ass, you know, legislatures, like they always, they're always, you know, <laughs> Grassley, Chuck Grassley does not like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, for one, for one thing. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just one of those few things where it's um, it's its own weird little third rail where you might actually. It, it is. It is a really bizarre constellation. I think you know, the the you know, there's five commissioners that decide whether to sue, and it was a coalition of two Democratic commissioners and the chair of the FTC, who's a you know a hardcore Republican. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, I think the stars aligned for Facebook, you know, for this case, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to take it because, you know, the precedent that's going to be made in this case is going to affect other industries where maybe conservatives would be more reluctant to act. In. So, you know, if you create like a good precedent here. Or fossil fuels or. Exactly. Like or agro, uh, agriculture or, you yeah. know, um, pharmaceuticals. So, so 
you know, I'll take it. Um, yeah. Wow. So uh, that's my next question. Is the, tr- and like, you know, William Barr is leading the Google one, right? So weird. Yeah, I think he just resigned <laughs> today. But yeah. He just resigned today? What? Yeah. <laughs> just a few hours ago. Oh, oh, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> breaking news on Ponzi Scream. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the episode's coming out on Thursday, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, was Trump to the left of Obama on antitrust, or is he? Is his administration? I mean, <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna say something controversial here. You know, um, <laughs> do it, do you, it. Because you co-authored, you co-authored a piece in the Guardian with Matt Stoller, who notoriously is a big critic of the Obama administration. So bring it on, man. Let's 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 hear it. So you know, I. I'm not as um, critical of Obama per se. I think there was just a, it was a general feeling or a general atmosphere at the time where we need to, you know, encourage and really promote these champions in the tech sector. You know, I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, the threat of China and, you know, like the US hegemony and jobs leaving and et cetera, et cetera. And then you have this one shiny star in Silicon Valley that's influencing the world, you know, like 2011, the revolution in Egypt and all these positive events that were, you know, influenced by Facebook. Oh yeah, Arab Spring, so great. It worked out for everyone. Right. (laughs) Um, But I think that there was kind of, I I think they were naive. It was really kind of, you know, like the way that we think about, I guess, you know, the fall of the Soviet Union in the 1990s with Bill Clinton, where there's like this new world order. I think they really thought that, you know, these guys are going to, you know, this is a new world order, like we're all going to live in this digital economy, and these are our national champions. Um, And they weren't scrutinized, you know, like that we're not going to have a lot of time to talk about the um, state's complaint, you know, the AG complaint. But one thing that's missing... Yeah, what's missing from the, you know, the FTC complaint, which I think is a really good and strong complaint, is the whole history of all of these mergers being approved during the Obama administration by the FTC, right? Not approved, but basically they said, we're going to waive it now and we could challenge it later. But they they passed, right? Um, And there wasn't a real serious investigation into these acquisitions at the time. And the AGs really focus on that issue in their, um, you know, it's kind of like a very, they're throwing shade on the FTC in a weird way, right? They're kind (laughs) of like, you did a really bad job, but this was some, a pattern, a pattern of anti-competitive conduct, um, which is totally glossed in the FTC complaint, right? The FTC complaint doesn't talk about all of these mergers because it looks really bad in retrospect. Um, And one of the arguments that uh, Facebook counsel is doing now is like, they're like, oh, you told us it was okay and it was fine that we merged. (laughs) How can you tell us now that it's like a violation of the law? And technically they're, you know, incorrect. And also just in terms of like the substance of the law, they're incorrect. But I think it's, it is a, you know, in a way we need to talk about the Obama legacy um, when it comes to antitrust, we need to talk about it in, in the context of the foreclosure crisis. You know, David Dayan has th- done a lot of work on in that context. And 
you know, 20 years from now, I, I don't think we're going to look at that period on, on that period very favorably when it comes to, you know, political economy um, and what, you know, consolidation. So, yeah, th that wow. would be my long answer. So that's, uh, that's that's fast. That's absolutely fascinating. And, and, and really, it, it makes sense. Because if you say like, oh, you let us do this back then, all you have to say is like, yeah, look what fucking happened. We let you have the keys to the car for a solid six to eight years. And in addition to just causing a lot of chaos, you're just really dumb about it. I mean, again, I cannot emphasize, <laughs> I cannot emphasize enough just culturally, like what these tech heads have basically done with themselves. They're absolute, they're satires of themselves. You know, fucking Jack Dorsey, looks like a goddamn monk who got like enveloped by a, a, a dark spirit. Uh, you know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg is a, a plain no, non-humored fool who's trying to take over I islands in Hawaii. They, they just, they embarrass themselves all the time. Mark about Zuckerberg this. looks like, like a single coconut popsicle, you know? <laughs> he uh, does. But well, yeah, okay. it's a really it's a really ridiculous argument. It's like Facebook is saying now, you know, like we murdered someone, but like you can't charge us for killing them with this gun because they passed the background check, right? Like, oh, you gave <laughs> me this, this, you know, you gave me a license for this gun, so it's okay that I killed someone, right? It's, yeah, it's just a ridiculous argument. You you all remember when Saddam Hussein was really surprised that uh, George Bush was upset when he invaded Kuwait. He was yeah. like, well, I thought you guys were fine with us doing that. Like, we, yeah, told, yeah. We, told, we told Jim Baker that we were going to invade Kuwait. And he was like, yo, yo, man, it's a vibe. You do you, fam. And then he just got it. Just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. just a bunch. Yeah. Just a bunch of diarrhea salesmen with a mouthful of samples, my man. Ugh. <laughs> so the, in, the, in your analogy, Gabe, Facebook is Saddam Hussein. That's right. They're not doing anything wrong. Mm, they don't, yeah. <laughs> they, a, they asked the government, can we do this? And like, yeah. Uh, and Barry and his team were like, yo, fam, you do you. We need like tech optimism right now. Yeah, exactly. You need to be the hero. Be the hero that Gotham needs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, I really do think about the Dark Knight and the political economy of like what the what the dark what the batman in that movie had to do which is like do evil things for the sake of upholding the structure which is like makes me think of too big to fail bailouts you know allowing for all these anti-competitive mergers to happen i mean just like over and over and over again literally the ultimate obama era movie it came out in like 2008 2007 like <laughs> that, I, I that's I thought it was nine or something i don't know maybe eight. that's it man that's it you know so um okay so anything that uh you want to suss out no pun intended about uh the house or not, not the house the, the state's complaint that's different from the ftc one that people right. that listeners so, should know about right so their focus is really about this pattern of acquisitions i think their complaint is more um aggressive in a sense it's more you know it's written in a more uh, aggressive way um but really the difference here is the focus on these acquisitions and you know what they said to the ftc 
um, you know, what they promised to the FTC and what they actually did in reality mm -hmm. um, is, is a major part of the state's complaint. And, you know, the, the states are also moving to break up Facebook. So you have two bites at the apple here, um, one on in the state's lawsuit and one of the, in the FTC lawsuit. So in, and they're in, both going to be in front of different judges? Different judges. Um, wow. So you can get, like, one saying no breakup, but then another saying breakup, right? Um, so, it'll, and, and, it's all, and it's ultimately, the, it's in the district court's uh, discretion to decide whether to break them up or not. Wow. That's, a, that's fan I just want to see that Louisiana Supreme Court judge like, Bailiff, have my lemonade ready. I believe this will be a quick court hearing. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, wh so why didn't they just have every single state file a different lawsuit? You know, that way you increase your chances of success. But, yeah, no. So those cases, so the states are, they bring their cases of private plaintiffs. So the states, for purposes of the antitrust laws, are kind of like you and me. Like, there's no difference uh, the only difference comes in standing. So they can basically represent the citizens of their state. They have standing uh, that's broader than an individual, but like for all mm. terms of purposes, they're like people. So it would be kind I of see. like a class action. So if they all filed separately, they would probably be bun bunched up um, into a single case anyway. So they just uh, all filed jointly the same way like a class action would. Uh, proceed. Very interesting. Yeah, definitely sounds like the FTC is going at it technically and the states are scorned lovers who are just being, they're more passionate, more juicy about it. I think, <laughs> I think so. And I think like this is going to be also probably the more um, interesting uh, trial to follow because okay. I think a lot of those issues are going to be brought up in that case right? All of that history in, during the Obama administration and what was going on in the FTC. Oh, we're gonna, people can get messy with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting to note that a lot of the people that were actors back then are also vying uh, for positions in the Biden administration, right? After uh, spending years working in tech. I mean, yeah. Yeah, or, or, or big law. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got David Plouffe, you got Anthony Fox, you know, you got uh, Tony, what's, what's his name? Shalhoub. Like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, someone else, Tony West, I think. Um, yeah, Tony West. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is fascinating. I'm really curious to see where this ends up going. I feel like this is basically just the beginning of our conversation. And I mean, once, once there, we have more of an answer, we, we got to talk to you again about this because this is like, this is absolutely fascinating. And there's just, there's, there's so much juice to this, you know? Are, are we uh, expecting another one leveled against Amazon and against Apple? I mean, we know that the agencies are investigating. Um, you know, that was announced publicly. And, you know, we know that the turf was divided between the FTC and the DOJ on the big, big four. But wow. it's hard to tell when and if those lawsuits were, are actually going to be filed, right? Also, now there's a transition of power where the DOJ is going to become democratic again. And then in the FTC, we're losing one commissioner, and it's going to be a four, you know, four commissioners, two Republicans, and two Democrats. It's going to be deadlocked. So it's probably not going to happen 
within the next few weeks or months. But I, I would say it's, you know, we can expect more in this big tech front. Wow. Do you think that Biden is going to continue along? I mean, are they going to push aggressively on this? That's the billion dollar question, right? Who's we'll going to become the next AG? Who's going to, you know, step into the antitrust uh, division? Who's going to become the next FTC uh, chairman? Yeah, Man. That's, that's an interesting thing to follow for sure. Well, Shaul, thank you so much for coming on, man. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, love to have you back on as, as this stuff develops. Sure. It was a pleasure. Yeah, man. This is absolutely fascinating. Definitely want to hear more about it. Sure. Love to. Well, if you guys okay. don't mind, I'm going to go back to my Facebook groups now. I've got a couple that I need to post. <laughs> <laughs> um, Perfect. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, you know, we're, we're out here. Leave, leave a, you know, comments and all that stuff uh hit us up we're all we're all ears yeah uh please do follow uh ponzi screams twitter account at ponzi underscore scream and uh i'm david bradley eisenberg and uh with That's me right. is you, you guys gabe pacheco gabe pacheco you can find me at uh gabe pack one on instagram and uh definitely write a review leave us a five star whatever share episodes with your friends that like white collar crime from a uh, analyze from a leftist perspective and check yeah. out uh funhouse comedy on wednesday nights at 9 30. <laughs> that's right yeah, baby that's right yeah baby that, that, that's right break it up break it up man i want let's go back to those pure instagram days you know i mean yeah. we all we all nobody likes facebook and you know what instagram Concept's good. Like I like the concept. I like pictures. Mm -hmm. I like pictures better. All right, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We all like really, that. I had some really good vines, and I want them back. <laughs> My friend Stephen was a vine star. He had like a million followers. What? Yeah, I'm not even joking. He was oh, like man. super well known. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, all right. Well, he's gonna. He's much. Oh man, we can't. We can't take that. We. I, I just he want that magic back. I just want it back. He chose poorly. <laughs> uh, all right. oh man all right well bye everyone all right later thanks friends bye